Hey everybody, welcome back to RBL Weekly, the show where we look at the top five battles of the week or thereabouts in the Roast Battle League. I am the RBL Commissioner, my name is Pat Barker, I'm joined as always by my co-host Sarah Keller. Hi. Hey. Uh... (laughs) Dynamite uh, start to the show there, Sarah. We, I did. I sometimes you keep talking, and sometimes you ask me a question, and then that was nothing. So you just threw to me, and we're like, "All right, take it." We're a little bit Sink rusty. <laughs> we're a little bit rusty, but we're gonna get there. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've had a lot of really cool stuff happening around the roast battle league. We're gonna be looking at some of it today. Some of it we're gonna be saving uh, for future episodes. Um, I know that there are some great battles that have happened uh, that we haven't gotten the access to yet, but they're going to be coming up real soon. The Bay Area, for instance, shout out to, to new champion over there, Ashley Monique. Ooh. Uh, took down their their uh, reigning champion, Anthony Zuccaro, and she took home the title. Uh, she actually came and battled in the belly room, I think, six days after she won uh, the championship. Wow. And she won there, too. So, uh, great week for, uh, for Ashley. Hopefully, we'll be seeing her real soon. Um, we're going to be looking at a little bit of our international, uh, you know, teams today. Tokyo and London are both on the docket. Um, and for the first time, I'm just going to get right ahead of it and spoil it. Uh, no L.A. No Los Angeles battles in the episode. It's been a rough couple weeks in the belly room. Yeah. If we're being honest. If we're being honest, it's uh, it's been rough. The most recent one was, uh, and before we get into the battles, this is what I wanted to kind of discuss with you up top. Um it was uh, Jeff Ross's birthday. Happy birthday, Roastmaster General. And we had an amazing celebration at Roast Battle this past Tuesday. Tons of celebrities in the house. Anthony Jeselnik, Dane Cook, uh, Seth Green, Keenan Thompson. Uh, just a, a murderer's row of, of big names in the judges section. And we had cakes and we had songs and we had celebrations. And we had a crowd that did not give a fuck. About the roast battle. Yeah. Would you say that's accurate? A hundred percent. I was very surprised. I was like, how are you not enjoying this? Like, yeah. how, like, are you not entertained? Like, oh. <laughs> and people we've seen who are good. Yeah. Evan Warner, one of my favorite rookies. Yeah. Uh, had a really rough time up there. Uh, Los Digits, a, 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 a cult hero of the roast battle. He did, he did fine. Uh, Ashley Monique, fresh off of her championship win. She probably had the performance of the night, but even that... I mean, like a five out of ten by normal belly room yeah. standards. Morgan Anderson, Anderson, one of the greatest from the Bay Area. Uh, Sarah Fatimi, a rising star in L.A. Everybody was struggling, um, and I am putting all the blame on the crowd. If you're watching this now and you were in the crowd, it is your, your fault. fault. Uh, anyway, hope you enjoy Jeff Ross's birthday party next time. Laugh at some fucking jokes. Yeah, maybe enjoy <laughs> yourself. Like, show us that you're having a good time. Well, what I wanted to ask you is, uh, because I've had... I've had one of those battles. Do you ever get into a battle where right away you were like, you're like, oh, this is not going to go well. And you feel it spiraling out of control as you go along. Yes. Let me, let me paint the picture. Um, it was the day before Christmas Eve. I was dressed as an elf. Yep. And I made a terrible decision against yes. Omid Singh. This, this now infamous battle that I will keep bringing up on this podcast until I beat Omid on the 18th. 18th or 17th? 18th. 18th. She's so ready. She's going to show up a day early yeah. and, uh, and and just be there to tell jokes. I, I do poetry the day before. For sure. Get it out of your system <laughs> yes. so you don't have to do it at the actual battle. I, yeah. No, I was thinking about that one. Um, but as you said, that was like a decision. The, the, the one that the belly room kind of reminded me of was uh, when you battled uh, Alex Young at South by Southwest. Oh, yeah. And the crowd. Were, the South by crowds are, are strange to begin with. And they, they that night they were just 
not into anything. Yeah, they got really angry at me for their behavior. Um, what what does that mean? The crowds, like they they were la- they they got angry at everybody for laughing at jokes that like were you know problematic problematic. Yeah. Yes, and you're like then don't laugh at them. Like I, I just realized you and I both had that problem battling an Asian at South by Southwest yeah. in different years. Maybe you just shouldn't. Uh, I guess no Asian hate at South by Southwest. I was going to say no Asians. Uh, no, Yeah, that's probably the just, better. Yeah, I mean, just stop booking them. Yeah. Uh, if we can't make fun of them in a roast battle, I don't know what you want us to do. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah I that. definitely got those kind of vibes in the belly room on Tuesday. So as a result, this will be the first show without any L.A. battlers. Not an indictment of their performances, but just uh, when the crowd's not laughing, uh, it doesn't look uh, that great. Yeah, so doesn't make for great video. Um, but this is this is a good opportunity for some other cities to, to play a little catch up. We've been leading in the standings. Uh, we'll see if that holds at the end of the episode. Uh, we're going to start with the number two city in the rankings coming into today. Uh, we're going to go to the Big Apple. We're going to start in New York. Uh, this was an interesting battle. Um, over on their uh, their Grove 34 stage. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. This is between Dan Abraham and uh, Heidi Grandberry. And uh, it features a couple of interesting roast battle things that uh, I want to break down. So let's take a look at this. Number five out of New York, Dan versus Heidi. Let's check it out. Heidi says she has resting bitch face. As a feminist, I hate that term. Heidi, your face could belong to a dog of any gender. <laughs> Well, Dan confided in me that he's mostly insecure about his very, very weak chin, uh, which I said, oh my god, Dan, what chin? I literally, I don't see what you're talking about. I don't see it. Um, Heidi's last boyfriend was a bisexual pothead. She would get him high every time they had sex. I guess your hair isn't the only thing you've tried to have chemically straightened. only $20,000. Why don't you put your money where your mouth is? Or, uh, or at least where it should be. <laughs> Last joke. Five jokes, one premise. As a Jew, I'm impressed with frugality. Damn. Why the long face? Why the short chin? Why don't you just start a GoFundMe to raise the $20,000? You don't have to live like this. Just because God cut off your chin to spite your face. Just keep your chin up. Pull yourself up by your chin straps. <laughs> Sorry, it's hard not to go for the jugular when there isn't a jaw blocking my way. <laughs> okay, so we get kicked off uh, in New York this week, and a couple things really stand out at me. Number one, this is the first time we've seen uh, Dan Abraham on the show. I was very impressed. Very. Um, jokes were consistent the entire way through. He had a variety of different angles that he took. Um, you know, the chemically straightened so was good. outstanding to end the battle with, uh, the, the little rebuttal, like acknowledging what was happening. Um, the Jew in me appreciates the frugality. Um, I, I just, let's, let's start with Dan before we get to Heidi. Let's start with Dan. What, what were your thoughts on his performance? I thought every joke was creative, well-written, unique. Um, I, I thought it was a bold choice that he ended on what was clearly a, a, a in-the-moment comeback because how could he have known that she was going to do five chin jokes right. otherwise? Uh, but also an intelligent move because, like, I tell people, hey, if you have a really good comeback, don't, like, let that be your joke. Don't try to follow – don't try to top yourself with – 
the comeback because it's really hard to top a good comeback. And it's, it's so hard because you're right. You're right. But to take people through the process of writing for these things, you, you write jokes and then you narrow it down to your five favorite. And there's a very good chance that your favorite joke is fifth. Yep. So to in that moment, it's almost like a, like what's that thing in the Bible where they chop the baby in half or talk about how they're going to? Yeah. King that Solomon? With, yes. Right. Yeah. You got to give up half of your baby there. Yeah. It's like, okay, strategically, this is the smart move. I just got a big laugh. Let me leave on that. But it's like, man, I wrote this joke that I can only use now because it's about this specific person. I'll never have another opportunity yep. to tell this joke that I love. And yet he let it go. If you love something, let it go. And it probably helped win him the back. I mean, I, he was going to win regardless. Yeah, I but. think so too. But it it made it decisive. He didn't have a misstep then. Yeah, exactly. It, it turned it into pretty much a flawless performance. Uh, and also, I'm just going to come out and say, I, I didn't see anything weird with his chin. No, he has a normal human man chin. It seemed fine. Um, I, I, I don't know. And sometimes I wonder if that's a me thing because I don't see people in that way. We've talked about before how some people are really good at noticing like a minor flaw and picking it apart. And maybe I don't notice it, but I, it seemed like a fine chin. Yeah, I think the thing for me, I didn't notice his chin at all. Like I didn't really pay attention to it where like normally if, and I think because she was like, oh, Dan told me that the thing I'm the most, that he's the most insecure about is his chin. So I didn't even like look at it to see if what she was saying was accurate. Yeah. Uh, until the end. And I was like, wait, no, he has a normal chin. Yeah. It like, wasn't until about the third joke that I was like, I'm going to fact check this. Yes. And I honestly, it seemed like a, a fine chin. Let's talk about her strategy. This is the first time we've seen Heidi. Um, she went for something that I, I've seen done before. I've attempted to do it myself. I, you know, I see mixed results. Uh, and I, I don't think it really worked for her. Although at the end, she kind of pulled it together with the run of like idioms about chins and faces and all that kind of stuff. And the, the jugular thing. Yes. I like the way it tied together, but I didn't think it was a juicy enough topic to devote an entire round to. I would agree. I would agree. She also like in dressed in all black with her little rolled up notebook was giving off hardcore stage manager vibes. And that's like all I could picture was that she was going to be like five minutes to set. Um, but anyway, but yeah, like to back to her jokes, the real stuff, Sarah, uh, I, 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 I didn't like the end run. I thought the jugular part was really good, but to me it felt like she was giving off every chin like thing she could but without finishing the joke it was just like I'm just gonna say a bunch of chin idioms yep and hope you laugh at it because I came up with all of these and it was like yeah but where's the joke in it right you know I yeah no I I, I get what you're saying I guess I just appreciate the absurdity I, I yeah. think that if you're going to really go for it you should really go for it and to her credit she really went for it um, and sometimes that doesn't pay off. Um, and if that had been the end, uh, just the, the running off of like the, you know, the idioms, then that's one thing, but she did manage to kind of tie it together with the jugular thing. Um, it's just, a, it's gotta be a helpless feeling when you're like, oh, I am committed to this yeah, and it is not going well. And I'm kind of, kind of getting my ass kicked. I would love to see more from her, frankly, where she, you know, does five different jokes. Yes. Um, because I thought that the joke writing chops, they were, they were there, but it was obviously just a strategic move that, that kind of, kind of misfired. Yeah. I think it, it backed her into a corner and I'd love to see her not in a corner. Like, yeah. Move around the ring a little bit. Yeah. Credit also though, you know, for somebody to say, Hey, this is my biggest uh, insecurity. Yeah. 
to attack that, uh, I, I think is, uh, you know, because a lot of times, in, you know, the guy said he's Jewish. She didn't even mention the fact that he was Jewish. A lot of times in roast battle, it's like, oh, let me start off with a Holocaust joke mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. It, she, I mean, credit to her. She tried to think outside the box and do something. Didn't quite work. Maybe would have if her opponent wasn't on point like he was. But um, first time I'm seeing uh, Dan and I was uh, really impressed. Definitely hope to see a lot more of him. Uh, for our next battle, number four this week, we go uh, over to jolly old England. Uh, Roast Battle London just finished up with an insane run of shows. I think they ran every night at the Edinburgh uh, Fringe Festival. Which is 40 nights? Is uh, that, I don't know if it's quite that, that many. It, <laughs> I don't know. I think, yeah, I think you're thinking of uh, Moses being lost in the desert or something. Wasn't that? Um, I don't know. Yeah, something was 40, 40 nights. Why, I, this is the religious show, apparently. Apparently. Uh, yeah, welcome to the 700 Club. I'm Pat <laughs> Robertson. Um, no, I, I uh, they ran a ton of shows, and I, I think uh, they might have filmed you know some of them. Some of them, maybe not. Um, they are recovering from the hangover of, frankly, the, the, uh, an undertaking that massive. Um, but they managed to send over this battle with no last names on the competitors. We just got a mysterious file that said Sam versus James. And yeah. we messaged them and we said, hey, do these guys have last names? And they have yet to get back to us. All right. So number four this week, two of my personal favorites, Sam and James. <laughs> Let's check it out. Uh, so um, James, is, James's family are Jewish, but James isn't Jewish. Um, but it's very nice tonight that he's following in the ancient Jewish tradition of being roasted. Um, his dick's actually so small that when they circumcised him it does count as a gender reassignment surgery so guys this is uh this is sam from liverpool uh they're bulimic autistic and suffer from depression and anxiety fucking hell man how do you get through every day just knowing you're from liverpool It's alright man, it's just weird for me being up here roasting the ghost of a dead school shooter. (laughs) Sam's bulimic, uh, and if you've seen Sam's show, you'll know that that's the only gag of his that works. (laughs) Sam also has uh, dyspraxia, uh, which affects their motor skills. So Sam is a lot like this year's Edinburgh Fringe, poorly coordinated. Uh, classic British battle. Didn't understand <laughs> 35 to 40% of it. Yep. Uh, um, it. Although I will say this is going to be my new favorite sleep story. <laughs> there were so many big words and British and I was like, wait, what? Yeah. I, I zoned out. I mean, look, we just watched the whole battle. It will be edited down. So I don't know what's going to be in there and what we're going to cut out. But there was one joke that I assume we're going to cut out <laughs> that must have been a string of 40 consecutive words and I didn't understand one of them. Yes. It wasn't that they were too big. It wasn't that they were too big. Maybe some of them were too big. Some of them were too British. Some of them weren't even real words. I don't know what the issue was, but it was, uh, it was chaos. Yeah. That one joke. There were, there were, me- there were prescription medications I've never heard of sure. in there. There, it was, it was, that battle had everything and not in the good way. Yeah. Um, you know, let's start, well, let's start with some, let's, let's talk, talk about some of the good stuff. I like James. I like James's uh, performance throughout the battle. Um, I like the fact that he referenced. Um, it's tough to pull off a reference that is specifically for that crowd, but also I would understand 
yes. thousands of miles away. And when he talked about how the Fringe Festival was poorly coordinated, uh, to related to his dyspraxia, I believe was what it was called. I thought that was really clever because it's inside, but it's also I get it. Yes. Yes. That was good. Some of the stuff was too inside, but I thought that that was was really good. I. By the way, I did not plan it when we were analyzing the last battle, and I was like, I, it's tempting to, the guy's Jewish, you go up there, start off with a Holocaust joke, and then literally that happened in this battle, um, so that was very, very funny. I did not plan it that way, but then to follow it up, I believe this was Sam's joke, to, to follow it up with the, uh, the, the circumcision counts as a gender reassignment, yes. I thought it was really good. Yes. After that battle, I was like, this is going to be a tightly matched, uh, even fight, but um, as it went on, you know, Sam kind of struggled a little bit, um, and uh, you know, James definitely took over for me. I agree. I think I think James definitely had the better performance. Uh, Sam had one. Well, the okay. Well, first the the school shooter joke struck me because I was mm. like, wait, they don't have school shooters in the United Kingdom. That's a great. Point. So that was like a bold choice. I thought. It's like a du- um, it's like a double disc because he's also saying you also look, look like American. a shitty American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah. I liked that joke because I was like, "Whoa, that was not expected." Right. That was a um... the DJ with the gunshot sound effect is the closest anyone has come to actually being shot in yes. England. Yes. Do they have school stabbings there? Oh yeah, they love stabbing people. Okay, it's a big stabbing place <laughs> for sure. Um, <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh so hard. <laughs> I, you know, more than the battle. Uh, uh, probably yeah. throughout. Um, this is also the most British battle because it's the first time I, I've seen someone, I think, drinking on stage at one of theirs, which yes. I assume they would all do, like, between every joke. Here was one thing that I picked up on that I thought was really interesting. So James went out of his way to break down all the different things that Sam is. He's bulimic. He's autistic. He has depression. He has anxiety. Um, and then spent the entire battle referring to Sam as they. Yes. Which is... Really interesting to me because, and again, this is kind of like Heidi in the last battle where it's like to have something so juicy and not even go after it. If indeed uh, Sam is non-binary or gender non-conforming or whatever it is, I I would imagine the temptation to just do a bunch of jokes about that would be really strong. And yet uh, I was almost more impressed that he just, that James just casually was throwing out they, them uh, as, as if it's like, yeah, Sam is, uh, you know, non-binary, but I don't even need to make a joke about that. Well, I was listening to to try to know what pronoun to use, and in, in James's last joke, he used he. So I don't know. In a way, if he if if Sam is not, and I apologize if I'm using the wrong pronouns, we don't know. We don't even know his la- their last Less name. Names. I mean, fuck. Yes. How do we know what their gender is? But um, <laughs> if I would be thrown off if, because I'm male, I identify as male. If somebody came up and just used they, them the entire time, <laughs> I, that would throw me off my game for sure. I would be like, do they know something? I don't. Like, what? What are? what is that all about? So um, I don't know uh, Sam's gender. I don't know their last name. I do know they lost uh, this battle. This was definitely James. And uh, I, for one, I hope to see more of James. I thought there was a lot of potential there. I thought his writing was really creative. And... Um, I would like to see more of, of him and maybe a last name would be cool. Yeah, and maybe less words that I don't understand. For sure. Don't, listen, if you're in England, don't cater your shit to us. Just don't call us ignorant Americans when we don't understand it. Yeah, okay. okay. We're, we're trying. 
We're trying our best here. Some of them you could piece together through context clues when he was like, oh, you look like a, 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 a Muffco generic Harry Styles. I'm like, oh, that's their Costco. Whatever. Oh, yeah. You know? yeah. I, I think it was more, there was like, there was like one where they, the, the word that you just said, the dysplasia, what, what did you dyspraxia. say? Dyspraxia. Dyspraxia. Yeah. I, I could get that from context, but then they followed it up with like two pers- very specific prescription, prescription drug names. Yeah. And I was like, I've, I take a lot of prescription pills sure. uh, that are prescribed to me, not like, and I've never heard of those. So I'm like, what is this thing? Like, it's British, baby. Like, do they have different drugs? They don't have like Xanax there? Like, it's different or Prozac? Yeah, I, I would imagine it, it has just a different name, like how they call like French fries chips. Oh, okay. Prozac is so, so, something different. Okay, so like, I would think. it probably is a common thing there. Yeah. Okay, well. For sure. To me, it didn't, it, well, it didn't get the reaction from the room. So I was like, nobody knows what that is. Like, right. But maybe it was just a shitty joke. Yeah, I think that was it. I think that was it. I think when in doubt, if the British crowd doesn't laugh, the problem is not us. Okay. It All is right. the joke. Um, but, uh, you know, good stuff from London. Uh, congrats on the, the run at Edinburgh. And we look forward to seeing more from you guys uh, in the coming weeks. Let's uh, go back to New York. This is rare that we do this. The same city featured twice in one episode, but uh, we had a couple really good ones coming to us from New York, and we said, you know, fuck it, let's put them both on. Um, These are a couple names that I believe I've heard before, uh, you know, making the rounds in New York, whether it is on this show, which is uh, their their show at Grove 34 in Queens, whether it's on the show at the New York Comedy Club, whether it was on, I believe, I've heard of one of these guys from Roastmasters back in the day. Comedy Fight Club, there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of shows out there in New York, and I think uh, both of these guys have been around for a while. I wasn't able to confirm that, but the names definitely sound familiar, and the jokes uh, tell me that they know exactly what they're doing. So this is a really good battle. Looking forward to it. This is Mino Fernandez uh, taking on Dave Sheehan from New York. Let's check it out. Thank you, you unemployed churro. <laughs> His name, M-E-N-O, is short for Mino Right Jokes Good. <laughs> Kids who know better, kicking them and running. <laughs> <laughs> Menno is here every Wednesday, not performing. Most uh, weeks he's in the Grove 34 basement refereeing the nightly cockfights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're pretty fun. She come through. Make <laughs> that money. I do something. I'll into it. I fucking make churros too, bitch. <laughs> Uh, I was actually curious if this dude was a pedophile, so I called his brother, and he was like, no, he's not a pedophile, but I did catch him once birdwatching while masturbating. Menno is a bartender. His favorite is aged whiskey, because it's the only way he can legally put something 12 years old into his mouth. (laughs) (laughs) He had that written from personal experience. (laughs) He's talking to use Flanda shampoo. Uh, <laughs> all right, so two New York battles, Menno Fernandez, Dave Sheehan. I've seen the name Menno Fernandez uh, for for a while now, and that was my first time actually seeing him battle. Uh, great stuff. Absolutely fantastic. I thought, like, top to bottom, so good. Like, they're back and forth. They're both loose, confident. I thought uh, Dave kind of lost a little bit of his confidence midway through and and 
uh, Menno's like ramped up, like he his swag mm-hmm. picked up, um, rightfully so. They that fell with the trajectory of the battle. Yep. Um, but yeah, it was. I'll let you give us your analytics. Well, no, I want I want to talk about that a little bit because it's like a it's like a chicken and the egg thing. Mm-hmm. Did the confidence change because the battle was going Menno's way, or? Did the battle start going Menno's way because he exuded more confidence? I think it was both. I think they both like snowballed each other. Yep. Wait, that's a total. That's a different. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> no, but I, 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 I know what you mean because I definitely picked up on that too. And in a way, it was almost like they were playing defense in two different ways. Playing defense is a thing that we we don't often talk about here on the show, but it's a real thing. When somebody is making jokes about you, and sometimes it's not even strategic, it's just how you naturally react in the moment. The things that Menno was saying about Dave, I think if they weren't that good, Dave's reaction would have come across as, oh, that joke stunk. Yeah. But because the jokes were hitting, the reaction came across as, oh, that joke hurt my feelings. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. Whereas Menno kind of owned everything, um, the cockfight thing, yeah. uh, and I sell churros, you guys should come through, it's a good time, like, everything there was great, and then Dave started, like, spiraling a little bit with his, like, and when, I forget what the last thing he said, but uh, Menno was like, ah, now he's stretching. Like, he yes. was actively in the moment calling out what we were seeing, which is, Menno felt really good about how his performance and the battle was going, and Dave came across like he did not. Yes, I agree. Um, I think yeah. that was very apparent. And But I think Dave should have given himself a little more credit. Like, he deserved more credit than he... I think he was... It seemed like he was very hard on himself, mm-hmm. and it... Yes, Menno won, I thought, like, pretty decidedly. Um, but I thought Dave deserved more than he was giving himself credit. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Is that something you think about going into a battle? Uh, like what are my reactions going to be? Um, how am I going to play defense or does it just sort of happen organically in the moment? It just happens in the moment. How about you? I, I mean, I've had to tell myself many times I've had to remind myself to laugh because I'm yes. aware of how I come across. But if I don't remind myself, then nine times out of 10, I will react more like Dave than like Menno. Um, and that's why I really admire that he was uh, that Menno was able to do that because that is a skill set that not everybody possesses. Um, I thought he did great with it. Yeah, I think I I am like constantly reminding myself to like stay in the moment and stop thinking like which is really hard because you also are thinking about what joke you're gonna tell next or what comeback or anything. But it's it's so important to stay in the moment and enjoy what's happening, what's being said about you. That's horrible if you can. Uh, but it's it, you know, it's really hard. So it, yeah, it, it definitely can be because I my biggest fear is always like forgetting my jokes. Yep. And I'm like I have to do everything in this order, and if I don't, I you know I can't even process anything else. Uh, you know, in that moment, it's almost like uh, you, you talk to like a you know like a professional athlete, and you're like the, the crowd was going nuts there, and they're like I didn't even hear anything. Yeah. You know, because yep. you're so focused on your own thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you're not even really paying attention. You're hearing the words in the other joke. Because you're like, do I have a rebuttal for that? But you're not appreciating whether or not it's actually funny. Now that you said that, I think that, not to bring up last week's episode, but that was part of the reason I wanted to battle Lou Missiano for the Netflix is a Joke Festival because he always has those, like, theatrics that, like, let you kind of take a minute and, like, 
reset, come back into the battle. And, you know, when he brings out a money gun, I'm like, great. I have a solid one minute to like, <laughs> <laughs> while this crowd isn't going insane, you know. Like. That that was the thing from a battler's perspective that I love the most about the wave. When we used to yes. have the wave in L.A. Yes. is like. If somebody hits you with a home run of a joke, they're going to come up on stage and do some crazy shit and you're going to have a chance to like adjust. Yes. And be like, all right, what's my game plan? Yeah. What do I do? You don't really have that luxury uh, without that anymore. So, yeah, I didn't think about, yeah. especially like if their joke doesn't work, mm -hmm. then you literally have, you have no time because you yeah. don't even have the five seconds of laughter. And yeah, I didn't think about how like crucial that wave timing was. We miss you. Yeah. Uh, they were back for Jeff's birthday. Yes. It's a shame that the, there were no jokes that worked, so they didn't have a chance to run out on stage and, and do much. Um, let's talk real quick before we move on to the next one. Two battles from New York this week. We are seeing, uh, in my opinion, a resurgence of, of New York in terms of roast battle. Now, back in 2017, 2018, New York was really killing shit. Thanks to Louis J. Gomez and Roast Masters, which was their show. I was able to go over and do Roastmasters at the stand one time. It was an incredible atmosphere. It was really uh, a great time. And then after we filmed season three, uh, Roastmasters died. Lewis has obviously a lot of different things going on in his life. A lot of, you know, uh, irons in the fire or whatever the, the, the saying is. And he didn't have time to run that. And then the New York scene, um, it still existed. And Comedy Fight Club run by Matt Marin is sensational. Um, but now to see... The New York Comedy Club elevate a little bit, and and what we're seeing out of uh, the roasted show, I I really think that we could be entering a new golden age over in New York. I I agree, and I and I'm very excited about it, and I I love that there's now like multiple venues for for roast battlers to get up at different times. Like I think that only helps a city scene. Completely agree, and and we're seeing a lot of talent from the battlers, and there's some holdovers from the old era. JP McDade, the current champ, Eric Bergstrom was a Roastmasters regular, so there. It's not like there's been a complete turnover in talent, but there are a lot of new guys, and more important, the vibe. The vibe is just there. The crowds are really good. Uh, I'm excited with what's going on in New York, and looking forward to seeing more. Um, now let's go to Tokyo, a city we have not seen a lot of on the, uh, you know, RBL Weekly on the show this year. Um, frankly, they had a lot of COVID situations going on over there, but they are back now. Uh, and they had a, a really exciting battle, really interesting, lot to break down in this one from their most recent show. This is their former champion, Itsuki, uh, who is Japanese going up against Vinay Murthy, who I believe is, uh, Indian. And uh, it was a it was a very interesting battle. Let's check it out. Oh wow! Uh, first of all, it was nice to see you uh, do Indian dance. You know, I'm sure you prepare for the wedding you didn't get to have. So that's good. Uh, so Binai is a voice actor, a writer for radio show, also does on camera acting. Uh, uh, Binai is what we call gaijin talent. And that's perfect to Binai, because uh, when Japanese call someone a talent, we usually don't know what their talents are. Uh, <laughs> if they have a real talent, we will be specific. Uh, for great actors, uh, we call Haiyu. And for Binai, we call high-functioning alcoholic. Thank you, I am high-functioning. Uh, but Itsuki, come on, you do voice acting too. I'm a big fan of your work as the toilet that thanks me after I shit in its mouth. <laughs> Very convincing performance. Binai, uh, 
is from United States, which explains why he's such an asshole. Uh, but actually, Indian American is uh, the most successful race in America. They're very serious about study and career, and in order to keep their social status, it's important to get rid of failures out of the country, like Vinay. <laughs> And yet, but still, uh, they still struggle with racism. And I don't know how Vinay dealt with it, you know? I don't know, because he used to be told to go back to India from his own parents. Yeah. <laughs> so, because... Iski uh, grew up in Sasebo, Nagasaki, uh, which is famous for its U.S. naval base. Uh, and Iski actually worked at the naval base for five years, uh, which I think is uh, appropriate because... Uh, they're very similar, the naval base and Iski. Uh, both of them are filled with American seamen. Uh, they both are hostile to gays. <laughs> and Japanese people want both of them the fuck out of the country. Oh, Vinay used to do the voice for one of the characters for NHK Kids show. But now he appears on camera as a Vinay. So kids are now learning not only English, but the reality that you shouldn't know who does the voice of your favorite character. <laughs> Despite his look, he doesn't hurt kids. But sometimes, sometimes few kids go missing from studio. And usually they're found in the forest of Vinay's body hair. So, Binai is bitter about being mistaken for a terrorist uh, because before moving to Japan, he had lived in New York in 2001 after he studied art semiotic focus on film production. Uh, he came to Japan by JET program, uh, which is Japanese, you know, English exchange program. Uh, but actually, that was his second try. The first jet program he applied, he was rejected. And without him, they crashed into World Trade Center. <laughs> he was devastated, uh, but still, he had a passion for film. So he, so he decided to go to Japan, because back then, in Japan, child porn wasn't banned yet. <laughs> to be clear, he is not Muslim, but when he first started working at the Japanese elementary school, he called it Virgins in Heaven. Itsuki uh, looks like a really nice, uh, tiny, pleasant, polite person, but she says the most vicious, brutal, horrible things on stage. Yet she looks so tiny and non-threatening, you know? Uh, the last time something so small contained something so devastating, uh, it it disintegrated her grandparents in Nagasaki. It was sad. August 1945, never forget. But actually, we, we shouldn't forget, and I think it's very commendable that Itsuki has made it her life's mission that we always remember the tragedy that happened 77 years ago. That's why she alternates her physical pyramids between fat man and little boy. <laughs> wow. That was, uh, so the, the funny thing about that is, as an uncultured American, I don't, I, I might not fully understand the ramifications of what just happened there. But 
I, I talked with uh, our friend JJ, who runs the, uh, the uh, excuse me, the Tokyo division, um, and he explained to me that it is very difficult and extraordinarily risky to go into Tokyo um, against a very likable Japanese person and make a, a Nagasaki as an American as an American. Yeah. And, and I I think the culture over here, especially the rose culture is so fucked up that, you know, I would not feel uncomfortable going into New York and making a nine 11 joke or anything like that. Everybody kind of understands that it's par for the course and this is what we do. And, but you know, over there, that is not the case. And it's very difficult. It was explained to me to get that kind of material to work and boy, did it work. Yeah. I, I didn't fully understand the, the gravity, but I could see it in Itsuki's face. Yes. Like, I, she was shook by the joke. And I, I thought, like, kudos to her for stay, staying up there, like, you know, staying with it and keeping her face as, like, neutral as possible. Right. Uh, but, but, like, her reaction alone was showed me the gravity of the joke that yes. he was saying. Um, I mean. And, and it, it also puts it in a different kind of perspective when you're watching him deliver the joke because there's hesitation there. Yeah. And I don't think it's that he forgot the joke. I think it is literally in his head. He's like, do I really want to do this? Yeah. This do is- I, am I sure I want to? Like, as he's starting the joke, you could see him pulling back a little bit in his head. But once he went for it, he went for it and he nailed it. And... I'll tell you, even the tag at the end, she honors their memory. And I was like, here comes the bomb part Mm -hmm. by by bombing every night. And I was like, it's going to work, but I'm going to look down on it. But then the fat man, little boy. Oh, my God. I mean, mean, yeah. Yeah, that was like chef's kiss perfection button. Especially since he had spent a lot of the battle. And I don't know what the edit will look like. We just watched the full battle. But he spent a lot of the battle kind of setting up that she has a history with bulimia. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she her, her weight has sort of fluctuated uh, from time to time. And to set all that up and then have it pay off with one of the, the best World War II references I've ever heard was uh, was was really good. Itsuki, on the other hand, uh, former champion out there, um, she obviously knows what she's doing. And again, I don't know what the edit's going to come down to, but this just shows us one of the main differences between... Tokyo and uh, and the the scene we have over here in the states. Uh, both of them, their jokes are very layered. Sometimes five, six punchlines per turn. Um, and I think in in some cases it was a matter of uh, you know quantity over quality. Unfortunately, um, where you would have five punchlines and one of them was really good and the other four maybe not so much. Yes, I yeah I would agree that the I that was one of the notes I made was the style is just totally different than. You know, it's it's a little, it's even more involved than like a London style. Absolutely. Um, I also just have to say, I don't think there's anything more impressive than doing comedy in your second language. I think that is, I, the most, I can't, like I'm speechless. That's how impressed I am when anyone gets on stage and, and lands anything in a second language. Uh, Completely and, agree, especially if you're in your home country. Right. I mean, it just so happens that this is an English language roast battle in Japan where most of the the entirety of the crowd are English-speaking people, um, you know, a lot of them expats from the States. So for 
imagine having to. It's one thing if it, if we're like, hey, we're gonna fly you out to America and you have to battle in English. Right. That's yeah. scary enough. But it's like, I live down the street. I was born here. I'm in Tokyo, and I have to speak English um, just to you know you know connect with these people. Um, and I'm sure that if they had Japanese language battles, that would be a lot easier. But for her to come out and and deliver the quantity of the material yes. she does. Uh, in English, definitely impressive. I would love, like, I wish I spoke Japanese so that I could watch her battle in Japanese and be, I'm sure, absolutely blown away. Yeah. Like, for her to be as good as she is, yeah, I'm just, I'm I'm super impressed. Now, the champion over there is from the United States, a gentleman by the name of Troy Lewis. We watched one of his battles a few weeks ago. Uh Vinay, I was first introduced to Vinay actually through um, during the pandemic, at the height of the pandemic, when everything was on Zoom. We did some Tokyo versus LA roast battles on Zoom, and I, I judged them. And I remember both of them battling, but I, I've been impressed by Vinay for a minute now. And I believe, I could be wrong about this, but I think I saw somewhere he is going to be challenging Troy for the championship, which I'm very excited about. Um, one of the, the best parts about this this show for me is getting to see people from other cities and having some of them jump out and be like, that's my new guy. Yeah. That's my new that's my new woman from this city. That's who I love. Vinay, so far from what I've seen from Tokyo, is is that guy to me. Yeah. That's fair that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, also the crowd sounds really good in Tokyo. The crowd is excellent. Uh, the video is on point, everything like that. Uh, Tokyo has everything running really well now. I'm definitely excited to see more of them, and congratulations to them. This was on... my first Tokyo battle I've seen. Oh, were you ever. not here? I was no, not there. that's yeah. right. That so was this, the week you I was very here. excited. Of, like, yeah, I didn't know what to expect, and so this was was good intro. And we will be seeing, I'm sure, more of them. Uh, you know, going forward as they are running shows regularly, and uh, the the footage all looks great. And congrats to Tokyo. Glad to finally have you guys up and running, and excited to see more. But. We now go to uh, a scene that maybe has stolen the show as my favorite scene since we've started doing this. I'm talking about Chicago uh, and with the help of a former L.A. great, someone we have both battled, uh, a great friend of mine, Leah K. Ajanian, who was on uh, season two of the television show on Comedy Central. Uh, she has a great history through roast battle. She lives in Chicago now. And she did her first Chicago battle, and she has not missed a step. Uh, was so excited to see this. Uh, very excited for you guys to watch it. The number one battle this week from Chicago. This is Leah K. Janian versus Bob Keen. Let's check it out. Guys, actually, uh, we're not new to this room. Leah was on Comedy Central a few years ago. Now she's here. <laughs> <laughs> They just fucked me, but like, roast <laughs> banning me, that's a new low. <laughs> it's gonna be up here standing next to someone with my body type. Every <laughs> day, one of us clearly gets fucked. <laughs> Hi guys, uh, Leah is uh, Armenian. Uh, she's Armenian, or as they say in her native Oklahoma, kebab Mexicans. <laughs> Thanksgiving is extra weird with her family because they're used to the turkey cooking them. <laughs> you look like you lead a tour of the city's public bathroom. <laughs> Leah looks great, like, for her age. Um, <laughs> she's 40, but when you see her on stage, she looks like she's just started comedy. 
<laughs> I swear, you're having your second baby and your pussy's still tighter than your five minutes. Oh, man. Bob used to co-host a po- podcast called Blood in the Sand. Of course, listening to Bob for an hour should be called Blood in My Ears. Bob stands up for a woman's right to choose. And then sits back down because she ain't choosing him. <laughs> Leah, Leah has a podcast as well. And on her podcast, her nickname is Coach. And judging from those uncomfortably broad shoulders, it's field hockey. <laughs> the podcast is called What's Your Beef? Which after this second kid, the answer's going to be shredded. Bob, have a little respect. I'm creating a person. What have you made? I mean, besides a fuck doll out of old t-shirts. Lisa uh, married. Her husband uh, runs a lot of 5Ks, which, because when you're married to her, you just want to run away. <laughs> He's also a Dallas Cowboys fan, so you know what happened to her nose. Oh. Yeah, I have a big nose. At least I have one memorable trait. You look like you eat all your meals in bed. Where else are you supposed to eat pussy? Leah's nose is so crooked, cocaine has to take the scenic route. She, she has what's best described as an Armenian nose, which is like a Jewish nose, but nobody remembers your genocide. That's interesting, because taking the scenic route is what Bob's girlfriend calls it when he's trying to find her face. That was, uh, that is a tutorial. If I was going to show somebody who was new to battling and they were like, how do I, how do I do it most effectively? That's it. Yep. That's it. The jokes are short. They're quick. They're great. They hit a variety of topics. She has rebuttals ready to go. And and, and I'm not, not exclusively to her. Bob did a really good job yeah. too. Bob was really good at not only delivering his own material, but selling hers and, the laughing that we talked about earlier, like that, he, he didn't give a shit if he won or lost. He was just having fun up there and it made everything else so much more fun. And um, really from both of them, we, we hear Jeff say this sometimes where he, he's like, Rose Bat- you were dancing up there. Yeah. You were dancing. And sometimes I know what he means and sometimes he gets <laughs> really high and I'm not totally sure. But uh, there is something to be said for that where it's like. It almost felt like, like the chemistry was there. You yes. know what I mean? It, it definitely, like, it definitely felt like a dance to me. Leo was leading the dance. Yes. Uh, but Bob was following perfectly. And like you said, genuinely enjoying the jokes. Like, Leah's, Leah's so good at, at, at really silly but very astute observations. Yep. Uh, like the tour of the bathrooms. And I just picture him being like, yeah, this is where I drop my liquids. Uh, <laughs> next stop is the salads. Um, and it just, yeah, it was... It was back and forth perfect. Like, every joke was well-crafted, original. Um, it was one of the rare times I've heard a tight pussy joke. You don't get a lot of those in Roast Battle. Mm. Um, the funny thing about that joke, and I, I have two. First of all, the public bathrooms thing hit for me because I spent several years as an Uber driver. Uh, so I could literally lead that tour in Los Angeles. <laughs> I drove overnight. So I'm like, if you need a place to piss at 2 o'clock in the morning, the mobile on the corner of Sunset and Crescent Heights is as good as it gets. 
Um, just in case anybody's in LA yeah. uh, and you, you need to do that. Hey, now you know. Sometimes you get stuck and there's no bathrooms. Oh, yeah. There, there's a lot of them that are out of order. There's yeah. a lot of out of order bathrooms yeah. in LA and they're trying to keep out the meth heads and the tweakers. But I'm like, I'm just a poor Uber driver. Please let me piss yeah. in there. Uh, and they say no. They they do not let you. Um, the thing about the the, the pussy joke, your uh, it's it your pussy is tighter than your your best five minutes. The funny thing about that, and there's no way Bob could have known this, but I remember distinctly because it's one of my favorite belly room battles ever. We're talking back in like 2016. Leah uh, Leah herself battled Jonathan Rowell. Okay, yep, yep, we, yep. We love uh, writer for this fool on Hulu. Um, uh, one of my favorite old battlers. Wish he would come back and do it again. And she had a joke against him. He's gay, and she was. She said something like, "His butthole is still tighter than his best five minutes." Literally Whoa. the exact same joke. And I, I'm embarrassed that I remember it. Uh, the encyclopedia in me, but um, yeah, just very, very funny. And I'm sure in that moment she was like, "Hey, I wrote that joke." That's what I was just gonna say. Like uh, to her credit, she didn't. Like a lot of times we'll see we'll see battlers be like, "Hey, that was mine. I wrote that." Yeah, like, yeah, on yeah. stage, and then it just kills the moment. It never works. And Leah took it in stride, and you, like, I would have never known that yep. sh- that happened. So well done. Just she stuck with the game plan. Yes. Uh, variety in the the delivery of the jokes. The my baby's kicking. So good. The theatrics. The the everything. And and the way Bob like kept like in the moment and rolling with the punches and where else are you supposed to eat pussy? That's yes. Just, I mean, it's that great, was a- great shit, but she comes at it from a variety of angles. I do think the Armenian genocide jokes would have hit harder in LA. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine there's a ton of knowledge about the, the genocide in Chicago. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, props to him for, for doing his, homework. I had never heard of it until like roast battle. Oh really? Yeah. See, I, yeah, I, I'm from the Midwest. So, you know, right. For sure. Education. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know what an Armenian was until the Kardashians. And then I'm like, oh, this is a thing I got to learn. Um, and then when I moved to Glendale, it turns out it's a thing that I, yeah, I am very uh, well-versed now. Uh, down with Azerbaijan. I think that's the one, the bad one. Um, <laughs> you but, just alienated like a whole. Yeah, like- yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry if that if I said the wrong thing. I'm, I'm on the side of the good guys, for sure. Uh, please don't kick me out of Glendale. I, it's rent controlled. Um but overall, uh, a great battle. Chicago has really, they're having a moment right now. As we record this, we are about 12 hours removed from their show last night where Jeff Ross, who was in town to do shows at the Chicago Improv, came by to judge along with roast battle legend Keith Carey, who was in town for some stuff. He went by to judge, and I got a report on that show today, and they said there were like between five and ten standing ovations, which we've been doing the show in L.A. for a decade and there have been maybe that many yeah, the entire time. And the, the crowds are hot. The battles are great. Um, they're really on fire right now. And, and in my mind, as the commissioner, they are impressing me probably the most consistently with the quality of their footage and the quality of the battles and the quality of the crowds. What's been your takeaway from Chicago? Yeah, I don't think I've seen a single Chicago battle that wasn't like haymaker after haymaker after haymaker. And... Yeah, I don't, it's just been, and to the point where like, like we were saying about Tokyo and having the like, oh, that's my person, you know, like the Grace Leishman and, um, Evelyn Troutman. Thank you. Evelyn Troutman battle. Like I watched that and I was like, these are my women now. Like, yeah, I want to watch everything that they do. And now Bob Keen, I'm like, I want to know more about him. Like I obviously. Ken Flores was another one. Um, I'm not sure if you were here that way, but Ken, Ken Flores and. 
Battled somebody named Tito. I, the last name is escaping yeah. me right now, but both of those guys were outstanding. And then there was another one, uh, Adam Quazalo, who I think we've seen a couple times now. Um, and uh, Jessica Mizra, their, their undercard champion. Like, these are names that are becoming household names with me, despite the fact that I've never met any of them, which just speaks to how strong the quality is uh, from Chicago. And as of this episode, and I swear I did not plan this this way, but when we mapped out the five battles, I went and took a look at who is going to be uh, in the front of the standings. Now, we first uh, talked about the standings last week or a couple weeks ago. Uh, five points for the number one battle of the week, four for number two, and so on and so forth. And as we sit here at the end of this episode, we have a three-way tie atop the leaderboard. L.A., New York, and Chicago with London and Austin sort of bringing up the rear there. Um, and I know the Bay Area is just off of the pace there. Tokyo got a little bit of a late start, but to have this deep into the season, three teams tied for first is uh, is crazy. I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to ask for a prediction. What what do you have by the end of the calendar year 2022? What city do you feel like is going to be on the top here? I think if Chicago continues on its trajectory and continues sending in like the great footage that we've been getting, I think they're going to be the ones to beat. Um, yeah. Okay, that's uh, that's not a bet. It's hard to, to bet against them. I, I'm I'm gonna go LA. I'm gonna go LA because I know we have a lot of really good shit coming up. We have a tournament coming up uh, in um, November and December where uh, you know we're gonna be giving somebody a title shot early in the year. I'm really proud of what we have going on in LA, and I, I think we can pull this thing off. But Man, I'm not sleeping on Chicago or New York. New York, we talked about it earlier, running from multiple venues and, you know, new talent coming up seemingly every episode. Um, I, It's going to be really close. I think it's going to be within five points in any direction, but I'm hoping LA can pull it out. I mean, personally, I'd love to see, like, Tokyo just come from way down. Like It would be great. It would be great. The Bay Area, which isn't even in the top five right now, they just ran two shows in two consecutive nights, one in Sacramento, one in San Francisco. As we're recording the episode, Josh Means, the head of the, the Bay Area division, texts me and goes, hey, we have another one lined up at Cobbs in San Francisco. Wow. So those guys are really putting in the, the work, and we haven't seen the battles from those last two events. This could be over the next couple weeks, uh, the Bay Area making a run and getting right back into this thing. Um, this is anybody's game at this point. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm holding out hope for LA, but, uh, somebody's going to have to step up and take this thing. And I, I don't know who it's going to be, but I'm excited to find out. I am very excited to see what happens. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. RBL, uh, every week, uh, we get a little bit closer to crowning the first ever city champions, which will take place at the end of the year. Uh, but until then, keep checking out the podcast, keep watching the battles, follow all of our different scenes on social media, uh, at Roast Battle for sure, at Sarah Keller 07, uh, at RBL Commish or Pat Barker Comedy. Uh, appreciate you guys for tuning in and we'll see you next week with more RBL Weekly.